Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 81 of Freight 360. We got another great episode today. Ben and I have Trey Griggs back on with us from Lean. Trey, welcome back, man. Uh, good to see you guys again. Always good to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we've got a, actually it's this week and next week, we're doing a little two-part uh, series with you, Trey. We're going to be right. covering a whole bunch of topics, but today specifically, we're going to hit on some capacity items as well as technology and have some good takeaways for everybody. We're going to talk about what's going on out there in the marketplace, all the headaches everyone's having, but we're going to give you some some uh, silver lining a little late at the end of the tunnel on you know what uh, what you can do to help yourself out during these times. So if you're new here, welcome to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, welcome back to Freight 360. As always, make sure to leave us a review. And again, Ben, I did not uh, pull any of our, our recent reviews to read off. So if you guys have left one, uh, sorry, we'll read it in the future. Hit that uh, five stars for the review for us. Refer us out to your friends and everything. And we're going to get right into it today with a little little sports update here. Um, right before we hopped on, we were, we were just talking about a couple sports items. So Ben and Trey, you guys watched the Honda Classic. I didn't. What, uh, what do we got going on there? What happened? Yeah, Mr. Idaho, Matt Jones. Um, I didn't know this until I was actually reading this article this morning um, that Matt Jones, was, the winner of the Honda Classic, is actually married to 2009 Miss Idaho. Um, but, I mean, great tournament. The guy won by, I think, five strokes, wasn't it, Trey? That's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, and he plays faster than anybody, which, um, which is great. Actually, the last group is the kind of epitome of the current conversation around pace of play on the PJ Tour, uh, because Matt Jones was playing with JB Holmes, who is notably one of the slower players on the tour. So it was quite a contrast in style, but it was fun to watch. Great course, great conditions. And also, you know, um, Lean Solutions Group, Brandon Ambassador, Camille Bajegas finished T8. So we were excited to see that, to see him representing and playing well and uh, looking for him to get his full playing privileges back really soon, coming back from medical, uh, major medical injury. What was the injury? I think it was shoulder. I don't know okay. exactly. I don't want to, uh, but I, I think I heard sh he had a shoulder issue that he'd been dealing with. Uh, so I'm going to go with that on this, but if I'm wrong, somebody <laughs> please let me know. Um, but that. could, you know, just, just couldn't ask for a nicer guy who works really hard. Who went through some recent awesome. tragedy, um, lost his daughter to cancer oh. about a year ago, went through just a devastating experience. And um, I think the golf is actually kind of, you know, helping him, grieve and move forward. Um, he's talked about that a couple of times, but just a great guy. And we're very excited to have him on as one of our, uh, you know, lean brand ambassadors along with Jared Wolf on the corn Ferry tour. Nice. And you guys with lean, you guys did uh, brackets for March madness too. And I know we were talking about that <laughs> we before did. too, but yeah, a lot of we did. We did a, we did a lean madness. We had 90 um, participants. We have a pot of $3,000, which we're excited about. So some, some people are going to win some money, which is fun. But I got to tell you the first, uh, first weekend was pretty rough on several brackets, including my own uh, Mike Foy, a visible supply chain management. I got to give a shout out to him. I don't know how he did it, but he, I think he has all 16 of the sweet 16 teams potentially, or some, some crazy wow. number like that. 
Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what book or almanac he was looking at, but he, uh, he, he toasted everybody. He's up 20 points on, on second place right now. Oh my God. That's awesome. Like when I saw Very Oral impressive. Roberts get in, let alone win that first round, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I well, think Oral Roberts Clemson is in the lost, summit league. Right? I have to give a quick shout out to Oral Roberts. So they're yeah. in the summit league and my, one of my good friends from college, JD Gravina, he's the women's uh, basketball coach at Western Illinois, which is also in the summit league. So I've been able to follow that league quite a bit. Okay. And it's a, it's a tough competitive league. You know, the, the North Dakota, South Dakota schools are really tough. Uh, Oral Roberts always puts up a good fight. So it's good to see those mid majors playing well. And I've got a theory. If I want to share real quick, I think this tournament is the, has the most parity in it. And my theory is I think those blue chip players didn't want to go play college basketball at the big schools this year. I mean, who wants to go play at Duke if you can't play in front of the Cameron crazies at Cameron indoor stadium. Right. I, I think that part of their experience, their one year of college, because they're going to go NBA is to create their name and their brand and, and the fans and all that. I just have a, I mean, it's like you're watching scrimmage or summer league right now with, with no fans. And I just think those blue chippers didn't go to Kentucky, didn't go to Duke, didn't go to North Carolina. Didn't That's go an to interesting Kansas. take on it. And so you see these major programs that normally win didn't even get in a tournament or have all lost. I mean, North Carolina's out, Kansas out, you know, Kentucky wasn't in. So I, I think that's what happened. And so you're seeing these mid majors in these small towns, probably that had fans or had a better college experience overall. And these kids went and played for them. That's my, yeah, point. that's interesting. Well, shifting over to the, the NFL totally side, I know what's that <laughs> totally, totally speculative. Like well, I have I no, mean, no proof of that. You've got some substance behind it. So I'll, I'll take your word. Um, <laughs> shifting to the NFL here quickly, you know, with free agency open and everything like that, the bills picked up Mitch Trubisky as a backup behind Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders. They, they scooped up on a one-year deal too. So bills, my bills are, they're, uh, they're stocking up their depth chart right now. Deshaun Watson, we're going to skip over talking about him. But uh, any any other big moves on the NFL side you guys have seen? Well, my Chiefs are also shoring up their offensive line, which they desperately needed. Um, and what I love to see about what I love about the Chiefs and what and, and some of the players that are, are playing today, like you know Mahomes and Kelsey, these guys are willingly restructuring their contract in order for the team to sign the players that they need Cap to space. win. And I love that. I love yeah. that. You know, it's like these guys understand that they're going to make their money, and they might make it through endorsements. I mean, Patrick Mahomes on every other. State Farm commercial out there. Right. These guys are going to make their money, but they want to win so bad that they're willing to do that. I love it. It's great to see. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Roethlisberger is still playing, Ben. Don't worry. <laughs> I know <laughs> you were warming up at night. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, good stuff on sports. Let's get into the episode. So, um, Trey, we're gonna we're gonna talk all about capacity technology items today, and. And we're going to talk about struggles and, and what folks can be doing. But, uh, um, you know, normally we have a great live read ad to do with you guys. What's new with Lean regardless? Before we get into the, the content, what do you guys got going on lately? What's the latest and greatest? Well, for those that, uh, yeah, those that just haven't really been following along, um, you know, we've, we've recently rebranded. So now we're Lean Solutions Group. We've put all of our, our brands, all of our divisions under one umbrella. Um, so that's very exciting. And we're currently starting a BPO division. Uh, within our lean staffing and lean sales uh, divisions, it's going to you know focus on you know call center, customer service, um, sales for different industries, and that's probably the biggest thing about us is that we're moving in to, to several industries. We're going to have uh, more best practices. You know, a lot of 
other industries have great practices and, and, and transportation logistics have adopted a lot of those, especially when it comes to technology. And so now we're going to have that in our stable as well as these other industries and other clients that we're working with that are going to help us to increase our best practices and provide better service, better quality to our existing customers. And so it's a very exciting time. We're definitely in growth mode. We've had the best quarter we've ever had. Um, we, in fact, we, you know, the history of Lean, Lean Solutions Group is that, you know, for seven years, we were able to get up to about 110 customers. And in the last quarter, you know, we've increased that um, by about 55 or 60. So nice. you can see the, the growth in just one quarter has been tremendous. And we're, you know, we're continuing that, um, getting really aggressive with our marketing efforts. So it's been, it's been great. What I like about that too is, and there's a, there's a takeaway, you can kind of blend that philosophy into, into logistics specifically is, you know, by, by lean, by you guys getting into other markets and having exposure to other best practices, like you said, you mentioned how it's going to help you grow and become a more well-rounded um, organization and provide a better service overall to all your customers. And the same goes if you're like, if you're a freight broker, like Ben and I were talking to um, someone this morning, doing a little bit of coaching with them. And if you just are narrow-minded in one sector and you don't even expose yourself to other areas of the market, you're limiting yourself. You know, if you can expose yourself to other sectors of the market and other corners of the industry, it's going to help you learn more and offer better service all around to your customers and all your vendors. So I dig that. You guys are going to do a great job too. I have no doubt in that. So good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's an exciting time to be uh, being the organization for sure. So capacity. Let's yeah, get into so before, it. Yeah. Capacity. Before we jump in, I actually wanted to go through the recent truckload volume index, right? Just to give people an idea. Some context on, here. Yeah. What the context is, right? So truckload freight pricing rose, national averages, load to truck ratio, dry vans and reefers hit record highs in February as the severe weather across much of the country. Everybody's kind of aware of that. The next aspect was, though, that the demand for truckload capacity tightened as a lot of the contract carriers struggled to fulfill their already existing commitments. And what that really means is a lot of the dedicated capacity from the larger carriers and even within the brokers, they've been getting rejected, um, which means they're taking loads in the spot market rather than the loads they committed to because they're making more money on Does it have the tender rejection rate in there? Is that listed? It doesn't because I think that's actually proprietary to freight waves. But what it does have is that the, the volumes from DAT were more than 10 million loads posted for the week of February 21st. 10 million loads were posted in last week, which was an increase of 42% from a previous record from 2018. So it was literally some correlation there. We all remember 2018. 40% higher than when we saw the market tighten after the ELDs. So it was significant last wow. week. Um, I, I want to say your tender rejection is typically around 10%. And that means it's going to be somewhere closer to 15. That's a lot of freight being tossed back and thrown in the spot market. So that's why we're seeing this, this crunch. Yeah. And the March outlook, just to add a little more context going forward, is that truckload freight volumes, their DAT is predicting them to fall off of their record highs, but remain elevated as they track more normal patterns of activity. There's still a lot of import volumes that are continuing to put pressure on all of the supply chains, which is what we're seeing in the market. And the quote from our friend Ken Adamo, starting in March, you can give far less weight to your year over year comparisons, because you're gonna see some pretty wild numbers. So what that means is if you're looking at your rates in your own TMS or even on DAT for this week last year, you're gonna see almost no correlation. 
In fact, you're not even going to really see any correlation if you're looking at 90-day rates or even 45-day rates. You need to be looking at three-day rates, seven-day rates, and what is happening right now to really understand what it's going to cost you to cover a load in the spot market. And what I love too is, and we'll get into it. I know Trey, you had some good pointers on it, but the technology that folks are using the, and then having people to use that technology, a lot of folks have not adapted. So, yep. but capacity, it's uh, it's an absolute disaster. Trey, what do you got? I mean, you, you had a lot of good points that you prepared on um, the capacity tightening up and everything, fuel on the rise. What, uh, I guess, what are you, either, what are you seeing overall, or have you heard any first person accounts from any of your customers on, on what they're dealing with? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, we talk to our customers about that all the time, especially the ones that we do a lot of, you know, truckload work with, but also, you know, I talk to a lot of people in the industry through, you know, my, my word on the street podcast on Fridays and, and just my network as well. But what, what blows me away is the, the container back up on the ports. Like, you know, something like we've never seen before. I mean, some of those containers are out three to six months. I was just speaking with a customer yesterday that said they had um, basically an, 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 an original shipping date of January 3rd and they're just now being unloaded at the port now. Wow. They're in Indiana. So now they got to drive to Indiana. So I mean, there, if you look at that, that's that's three months behind today. And there's, you know, container ships that are just now arriving. I think I read the other day that there were um, somewhere between like 25 or 26 container ships that were just anchored at sea waiting to get in. And those last ones are going to be five to six months. Out well, that's what I was going to say. Spot. So up. any of our listeners... Yep. To your point, Trey, any of our listeners in California, you could literally see these ships anchored out there. They're just yeah, it's not able to be unloaded. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. And it's, it's, it's messing up with manufacturing. Um, and, and the thing that's really interesting about that is that with the government stimulus continuing with white collar workers not being as affected by the pandemic because they're able to work from home and continue to keep a lot of their jobs, not everybody, but a lot of them for the majority, the spending is going to continue. The home buying is going to continue. The home building is going to continue manufacturing needs to continue. So the demand is going to stay very, very high. Um, these containers are going to continue to come and capacity is going to continue to be a crunch probably well into the fall or early next year, because we haven't even talked about vaccine distribution, which is going to continue for another probably three to six months. I don't know how long it's going to take to get them all out there, maybe less, but then you were, we're about to run into reefer, uh, the, the highlight of the reefer season, and that capacity is going to be taken off the road. And so you just put all this together. There's probably not going to be much change. You talk about LTL carriers who are, are overwhelmed right now because a lot of companies are saying, okay, the truckload pricing is crazy through the roof. Let's break things into LTL shipments. And now the LTL carriers are overwhelmed. Um, so there's just a lot of, of facets that go into this and, and there's not really any reprieve for probably at least another six months um, you know, before we start seeing rates go back down. So it's, it's definitely an issue. We're seeing it. We're hearing about it. Um, it's not going to slow down. So that, that's a, it's a very good point as to what is causing all this. And I think a lot of folks, they don't zoom out from their little brokerage mindset and actually see why, like, why is this happening? What does it mean for me? And then even if you do that, a lot of them fail to have the conversations with their customers to discuss this stuff and set expectations and even more so try to build their carrier relationships so they have reliable carriers. I mean, we talked about it last week, Ben, I think it was last week. Um, you know, a lot of these big carriers, they're not going to post their available trucks on a load board because they don't need to. Their phones are going to be just blown up. They don't have the manpower to answer every single call, you know, when they have a truck posted. So they're going to 
they're going to go on there, search for whatever loads they want and cherry pick the best ones, whatever fits them. This is where brokers need to step up their game and really build those relationships with their carriers. So um, well, here's what Trey, I would say too. I would jump in and say this is that, you know, unfortunately, if you haven't been building relationships, it's going it, it, to, you're kind of already way behind, right? You know, because the relationship really needs to be built ahead of time and have these conversations. I mean, think about this, like how many, how many manufacturers um, use diesel personally? Now, some of them might have a diesel truck, but most of them are going to use, you know, gas. They're going to see their gas going up, but they don't realize that diesel's up 35% in the last, you know, two, two and a half months, three months, up, up 20% year over year. You know, those kind of things need to be brought to their attention and having those conversations as a friend, you know, saying, Hey, this, we're, we're just talking about, about what's happening in the marketplace. And then when I come to you and say, this is the rate that I can get for a truck, it's, it's, it's bearable in the sense that at least it's not a surprise. What I think happens is there's a huge dist, you know, mistrust or distrust that happens when the relationship doesn't exist. And then you always think the worst of somebody they're just gouging me. They're just going for as much as they can get. They're just trying to do that as opposed to if you and I are friends, but, but I'm moving freight for you. I can have this conversation with you and say, Nate, listen, this is, this is where it is. You see this, I see this, this, this is what's going on. We've talked about this. You know, I, I'd love, I'd love for it to be less right now, but this is the condition. This is what's happening. Um, yep. And I've, I've posed this question before. What's the, what's the breakoff point before a manufacturer might say, let me just get my own trucks. I mean, that's a big decision. It's a expensive decision, but I'm just wondering at, at how long these rates stay elevated that they might say that otherwise they have to pay this. And so the relationship is so, so critical. It's all and really important things. I, I think the big takeaway from this, right? Because there's a lot that goes into that, right? Like there's the cost, there's the weight to get the trucks, there's then securing the drivers, then it's hiring the staff to manage your own fleet. And I think that is why, I mean, well, it's why brokers exist. And I mean, that's why our industry exists. I think the biggest takeaways, the actionable stuff for our listeners out there is the market is shifting right? And we keep calling them issues. But the reality is, is these are opportunities for our listeners. These are issues for shippers. These are opportunities for freight brokers. All of this is good news because it's always one side of the coin or other is if it's hard to source capacity, then it becomes easy to get shippers to actually be receptive to your phone calls. If it's easy to get trucks, it's harder to get shippers on the phone. I have always felt that it's, I would much rather have more problems and more responsive potential customers than the opposite. So this is like low hanging fruit as far as I'm concerned for freight brokers. Like there's tons of problems. Everybody's aware that there are problems. Everybody needs solutions. So they're more and more receptive to just answering a cold call and seeing if you can actually help them. That does not happen often. Yeah. And I think the, and I like that we, we have these two, the topics of um, capacity. And I want to kind of talk about the carrier sales role with that regard, but also technology. And these are, are two ways that you can take this problem and turn it into an opportunity is the, the way you've been doing things for the last year or so um, you've got to, you've got to tweak it, right? The, the focus on the carrier sales piece, it's, it's one thing if you have a broker that's really strong in you know, getting customers and that business development side, but if you can't source carriers and you don't have someone that's good at negotiating and finding where capacity is, it, you're not going to be able to complete that transaction of getting that load brokered successfully. So the, the carrier sales piece of it, I think is massively huge. In addition to that, having the right tools and technology in place for them to be effective and to be efficient. Because you can put bodies in seats, but if they don't know the tools to use or if they don't have the tools to use, what good are they? Other than, you know, they're going to chew up your payroll. So 
And they're two different questions, Trey, right? And I I, I I wanted to get Trey's take on that. Yeah. Because you guys, I know, I know a lot of folks will, will utilize lean. They'll, they'll use your staffing model to get additional, you know, for lack of better terms, bodies in seats to be able to help increase their, their availability on selling loads to carriers. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to go back to the term carrier sales because it's my favorite title in logistics. Let me tell you why. It's one of the few titles where sales is associated with paying somebody right, as opposed to selling <laughs> to get money back. So yep. it's, it's an interesting term, but it, what it points out to is that everybody is in sales. You know, so what, what is a carrier sales representative doing? I mean, they're, they're essentially at the end of the day, they're selling a load to a carrier that they're going to pay them to take, right. which, is, which is pretty ironic. You have to sell them to want to work with you. You have to sell them on the benefits of your load, the benefits of your company, why they want to work with you. You're looking out for their best interest. There's a lot of things that carrier sales reps can do that make it much easier for a carrier to have a little loyalty and to stay with you and continue taking your loads. And we're going to talk about that today, but I love that. I love that title. Cause to me, it's, it really captures an essence that we're all in sales. Um, cause you're literally paying somebody you're selling, yeah. you're selling. But is you're there another industry that, that, is there another industry that has that's that kind of model? I was just trying to think it's, about it. I, can't I mean, think. it's possible, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's one of the rare ones uh, to do that, but, but no, it, it does capture that. And so there are two sides of the coin. There's obviously the, the, the labor side of it, because relationships are still so valuable in this industry. You know, when, it, when a carrier takes a load off an automated load board, which again, I love technology, so I'm, I'm not against that. But when they, they take that load and then something goes wrong with that load, they're going to want to talk to someone. A human to being. To solve that issue. They're going to they're gonna talk to a person who can do what a, you know, a piece of technology cannot do. Uh, and that is, you know, think about it from, from their perspective, have empathy, think about it emotionally, which is not a bad thing to do because obviously these are drivers out there on the road who have families who have, who are humans. And so they're going to want to talk to a person, but more importantly than that, uh, and I tell this to our sales guys all the time, people want to do business with people they like, with people who are cool, with people who will look out for them, who care for them. At the end of the day, there's that human component that trumps technology. And we, you know, we can't forget that technology is there and to enhance it's a tool. what humans do, right? right? It's to make it, make it better. It's not to replace it completely. There's certain things that technology can replace. Like for example, I use calendar um, technology because I don't want to go back and forth about when I'm available and you're available. It takes too much time and that's no big deal. So technology enhances what we do, but at the end of the day, we're still going to talk you and me because we're going to have that, that appointment set. So technology, you know, creates efficiency and it, it, it accelerates what a person can do, but it, it doesn't replace it. And this is, this is never more prevalent than right here in this issue. And so, you know, you need extra bodies, you need people. And that's why our carrier sales division at Lean is just absolutely taking off. We literally cannot fill that position fast enough for our clients because they see the value of it. They know that they have to do extra work right now. Ben, you alluded to this. They have to do extra work to get a carrier. And so they have to do different means. They have to make more phone calls. They have to reach out on Facebook where a lot of carriers live and make relationships oh, yeah. and try to connect with them. They need to do a lot of just unique things now as opposed to just posting on a load board. Because like you said, there's a million loads out there. The carrier is going to pick the one that they want and the carrier is not posting. So they're not going to find them when they do searches. So that game right now is really kind of out. You know, they have to do different things. And again, that requires more people. It also requires better technology. So that's been really beneficial for our customers for us to offer that and to um, have somebody, we have a guy named Isaac Moreno. 
we just hired. He's been in that carrier sales role for the last seven years uh, in Florida in a brokerage. He just moved down to Colombia to lead our efforts. So he's training all of our guys and he's phenomenal. So not only are they getting more bodies in the seats, as you said, but they're getting really well-trained carrier sales reps who are ready to go, particularly on those low margin loads that you may not want your you know carrier sales reps in the States to, to be working on. So two things I want to hit on there. Number one, you, you talked about Facebook and this is a, a great point. And we talked about it last week, finding, you know, more, you know, more ponds to fish out of essentially, or, you know, putting more fish in the same pond to give yourself a better opportunity to, to find an available carrier. It's not just post and pray on the load boards and hope your phone rings using other avenues like searching directories, Google searches, Facebook. So for example, Ben, our, our page, the freight brokers and carriers network on Facebook the majority of that discussion on there is, is brokers and carriers trying to connect with one another to, you know, whether it's specific loads, upcoming projects, or just to build up their Rolodex of, of contacts for when that business does pop up. And I think that's a great, great additional resource outside of just going and posting your load. So I dig that. That's pretty cool. The other thing, the other thing I would say is this. Go ahead. Can, oh no, go ahead. I got <laughs> something else, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it later. I was going to ask you on the so the let's say somebody is looking at maybe maybe they have a brokerage and they know they need to have another they need to have the carrier sales role grown in their brokerage. Maybe they don't have anybody doing it right now. It might just be they have account executives that are covering their own freight. When they get to that growth point, what you know, and they're debating between should I hire somebody myself? Or should I work with a company like Lean? What is the, I guess, the the benefit to you guys? And then also, what does that ramp up period look like from day one of we're going to go under contract to I've got a fully operational person? I know you kind of talked through that training and the strategy behind, which is great. And I don't think they'd do that on their own if they hired. So what does that timeline look like? And what is that that benefit well, we all know the headaches of hiring. It's it's a challenge, you know, to to hire the right person. There's a lot of risk that goes involved. There's a lot of overhead costs that goes involved to that. I mean, if you're going to hire people where you are, you know, you're going to need to get their equipment and get it set up. If if you're having to meet in the office, you need to make sure you have plenty of office space. You may have to find a new office if you're if you're in growth mode and, and need to focus on that. You need to um, do the recruiting side of it, and you know, the scheduling interviews and the hiring and the onboarding, the training. I mean, it's a lot, especially for a small company to handle that. So that's why, you know, where the value of lean comes in, we're a headache free, you know, staffing solution for them in the sense that, you know, they, they contract with us and they say, this is what I need. We go to work for them. We do the recruiting, you know, we schedule the interviews with them so they can select their candidates, but they just show up and interview and tell us what they want. We do the onboarding, we do the training get them ready to go. And then they finish it up with whatever final training that they need for their particular, you know, processes and, and technology and things like that. Um, and then the speed to market is also the huge benefit of that because this is all we do. Uh, then we're able to do it much faster. We're able to recruit faster. We're able to get people in the seats faster and we're able to replace faster. Imagine if you hired somebody, you went through the whole process of training them, onboarding them, takes them probably a month or two to really get up to up to, to speed. And that's when you realize that they're not cut out for that job. And that happens yeah. because that's the nature all of hiring. Time. All happens all the time. So and you replace expensive. them. Guess what? You're going to start over from scratch. You're going to recruit again. You're going to you know interview. You're going to hire. You're going to onboard. You're going to train. You're going to give them the time to ramp up. You're going to do it again. With us, we're able to replace an employee who maybe just isn't a good fit rather quickly because we have a bench. We have a lot of representatives that we hire. We put them through training. Uh, we use them as what we call floaters for other accounts just to get some experience. And then they're ready to go. So we can replace an employee considerably faster as well. When you look at the headaches of it all that's involved, 
you know, we remove those headaches. Think about this. Think about HR, payroll taxes, benefits, getting that all set up, making sure from an accounting perspective that you pay that. When companies work with us, it becomes a vendor expense. So they're not dealing with payroll taxes. They're not dealing with benefits. They're not dealing with a lot of those issues that they have to do normally. Classification employee. of employees. There's a ton of stuff Exactly. There. You know, the interesting so thing it's huge. Was, you said something, two things. You were saying about carrier sales. Where else do you see you selling a vendor that you're going to pay? It's recruiting. That's a sale, right? When you are trying to bring on reps and salespeople or anybody you're trying to hire, you're selling them to come work for you, right? And somebody That's explained exactly right. this to me a long time ago and it makes perfect sense. They're like, recruiting and interviewing is very hard. And in fact, the guy who talks about this a lot is Adam Grant, who's a behavioral psychologist. And what he talks about is he's like, think about this. Even the biggest companies in the world, right? Just take like, um, like IBM or whatever. He's like, you might have an HR department of 25 or 30 people that have all have advanced degrees in human resources that spend their entire careers learning and understanding how to vet people, right? And even with all of those resources, you still have turnover. Do you know why? Because it's almost impossible to predict whether or not somebody's going to enjoy what they mm -hmm. think they're going to enjoy six months or a year from now. Just nobody knows. You can go through right. whatever criteria you can to best try to gauge that. But at the end of the day, like nobody's ever really able to determine if the job's going to be a good fit until they do it. And that's a lot of the risk that I think companies don't incur when they go and use a source like lean. It just becomes an expense. Hey, I've got the resources, we've got the people and we've got the capacity and we don't have to worry about any of these other issues. Payroll, that's payroll right. taxes, classification of employee, hours worked and everything that goes along with that, including the turnover risk, which we know in this industry is well above 90% for any job. And that's, that's exactly right. Risk, you know, especially we have a lot of companies yeah, we have a lot of companies that, you know, they grow the, their their entire company uh, down in Colombia with us. And again, you think about it, they don't have to get a bigger office. They don't have to worry about as many IT issues, security issues. I mean, there's just a lot that people don't think about when they think about hiring that we're able to mitigate. And again, the, the carrier sales side is just really taken off as a result of, of that as well, especially for small companies that know they need more people, whether it be carrier sales, track and trace, POD retrieval, whatever it might be. We're able to help on a lot of those. And you're absolutely right, Ben. I mean, sometimes outsourcing makes a lot of sense. I mean, when somebody's doing it all the time, they've got the tools, they've got the equipment, the expertise, they can do it much faster. And you can focus on what you're good at, which is you know, running specialization, your, running your man. Right. Like yeah. that's why brokers so exist critical. because trucking companies don't have the ability or the flexibility to provide capacity in a shifting and changing market. Well, that's the same market that brokerages need to staff up to be able to operate under. Well, the best thing in the world is if you've got a solution that isn't necessarily long term, like hiring five people for maybe a six month market environment, what do you do seven months from now? You now have half a dozen or a dozen people. What are you going to do to fill them with work? Because that's the other side of the risk. Right. Right. That's absolutely, you need to staff for now, but what happens in a year from now and your needs change, you know, and, and that's, again, that's another area where you could say, Hey, I need, I need five care sales reps today. And then maybe six months from now, you, you need an extra, you know, POD retrieval person or a track and trace. You know, we can, we can shift that around much faster. That's and TJ true. talked a lot about that on the, the episode Nate referenced before your buddy TJ. And he was like, you know what, like the way I look at the market is he was like, if it's tight, I am operating under the assumption that it's going to be loose soon. And that's what I'm planning for. He's like, I'm never really operating in the market I'm in. I'm constantly trying to operate in where the market will turn to because it's cyclical. It always shifts. And if you're constantly trying to catch where everybody else is already at, like you're always behind the eight ball. 
TJ, that dog, he's such a good guy, man. He's so smart and uh, probably one of the funniest guys in the room if you ever get a chance to be with him, TJ Knutson. So, no, he's, he's absolutely right about that. And he's always thinking ahead, which is so smart to do that. Uh, but one thing I want to get back to real quick, um, and this is something we were talking about, Nate, is, you know, the in terms of working different, we talked about using different methods, using Facebook, using other areas for carrier sales reps. One thing that's also really important is that carrier sales reps are reaching out to carriers just to reach out, not just with a load. And, you know, yep. just finding out, hey, where are you yep. running? Where do you want to run? Where do you need to go? A lot of times people try to work from where's my freight going? Let me find carriers. Right now we're in a place where there's so much freight out there that you can say, where do my carriers want to go? Let me please them. And then let me go find the freight that would match. Let me work on that piece of it. And that actually right now is a, is a very uh, reasonable way to do it because then you get carriers who are like, wow, this guy is looking out for me and my truck. He's not just using me to cover yep. his load. And that's a different philosophy I think than a what good, a lot of people do in the spot market. A good way to look at it is when you're, as a freight broker, when you're prospecting your shippers, right? Whether or not they have a load for you to move today, you're going to consistently keep that communication line open with them and continue to follow up them. Even if you're not going to move a load today or this week or this month, a lot of people don't do that with carriers. They get into that mindset where they're only going to reach out to carriers when they need them for a load to get hauled. And that's the bad thing. I think what you're hitting on is that that relationship is valid and it is, it needs to be grown whether or not you're using that carrier today or this week, you need to have that relationship established. You need to be top of mind and, and just, groom that relationship. So I, I, I mean, think about that from, from a personal relationship standpoint, how would you feel if the only time you saw somebody was when they needed something from you? I mean, that's kind of how parents feel with teenagers, right? See, you all got that person that's in our huge. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I mean, so true. We, we all know what that feels like. And yet we do that because it's, it's kind of the, the, the default mode that we're in is I need something. I'm going to go, let me go to people that can help me out as opposed to let me take the time to make a two minute phone call to say hi to Jim, ask how he's doing, where he's at this week, you know, what he's looking for, how I can best help him out. It won't be a long call, but, but the, here's the problem. The reason why people don't do that, the reason why companies don't do that is they don't have the time. And the reason they know the time is because they don't have enough people. Like they're understaffed for what they need. They're staffing their carrier sales team because we're talking about that today. They're staffing their carrier sales team based upon what they need today not based upon thinking outside of the box. This is also where we come in big because you're going to spend a lot less for the carrier sales reps in, in um, Colombia that we work with. You could get two carrier sales reps in Colombia for the price of one here in the States. So now you can have some more people who can actually make those check calls and just say, you know, how, how are those guys doing? Where do they want to go? Let's get some data. Let's get some, let's find out. Let's let, let them know we care. Right. That's so incre- incredibly important, but most companies don't do that because they're only operating on what they need today to cover their freight. But here's the interesting thing about that, right? And, and we've seen this, we've been talking about this a lot over the past few weeks is that you see so often that brokers are still trying to cover the same loads every day. Like it was not uncommon to see other brokers working literally on the same loads every day, sometimes for seven or eight days. But if you think about it, just the economics of the way this business works is if you go far enough into the future, you eventually find capacity in any carrier, right? You go to the biggest carrier in the world and you go, do you have trucks today? No. What about tomorrow? No. You go far enough into the future, maybe two and a half weeks or three weeks, they all have availability. So the question is not necessarily do you not, can you not find capacity, but are you working on timeframes that actually have capacity? Because the solution is sometimes as simple as that, just saying, hey, I know you don't have trucks today. But when would you have trucks? Oh, two and a half weeks from now? 
Okay. And going back to your shipper and saying, look, I know you guys are struggling with freight today, but if I could start lining up trucks two and a half weeks from now and then lining up trucks for two and a half weeks in one day, I could start building in capacity. So yeah, you'll still struggle for the next 10 days, but guess what? Two weeks from now, now all of a sudden I can start actually getting this backlog cleared. And that's really just, it's super obvious and it's super simple, but just so few people are thinking outside of what they're normally used to doing. Like you've both said, we're just so used to trying to post it up today. We're so used to dealing with what the shippers say they want. And they only call me when they want something and they want a truck today. Nobody's thinking to ask the questions like, well, what if I get you a truck two or three days from now? Would that still work? How long have you been working on it? Have you been trying literally the same thing every day, expecting a different result? Okay, everybody knows that yep. cliche. And that's- uh, You're absolutely right. And that's not- I'm putting the fire out today. And think about it like this. If you had a problem in your house with like your plumbing and you invited a plumber over, you know, you might tell your plumber, I got this leak, I need to get fixed. But what if he says, hey, the leak is actually starting back here. Let me get in and figure it out. You know, you pr- you'd be foolish as a homeowner to say, no, just fix this leak right here. Like you would, you want to take the advice of the plumber who knows what he's talking about. So you're putting a bandaid on a broken leg, right? You didn't. That's what a broker's value is. A broker can say to a shipper, "Listen, I know you're hurting today, but the real solution is 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 moving forward. Let's get this. Let's let's plan much further ahead. Let's get this figured out. We can work with you. We can help you with this. Let's plan ahead. We'll try to get the fire put out today because that's important. But let's look at where the problem really lies. How early do you know you have these loads? You know you have them two weeks out. Okay, well let's start planning for that. Just like you said. And the, uh, the, the piece I want to hit on here is for the folks that just post and pray, these are loads being covered without the use of spot market coverage on a load board. This is thinking creatively and tactically and being the logistician that freight brokers should be. So good stuff. I, I, I want to, I do want to, I don't want to, you know, take a hit on technology because, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that are great. So let's talk about some of the tech tools that can be used, whether it's today or the two and a half weeks from now to make this process better. So, um, Trey, you, you put a note in here that I want, I want your explanation on it because I dig it and I agree, but I want to know your point of view. You said fragmented technology is not bad if you have a strategy to make it work. So, um, some people always say, I got to have the latest and greatest and the best thing. If my TMS is five years old, it's crap. So talk to me about what you mean by that fragmented technology, if you use it the right way. Well, I mean, the, the fact that AS400 is still going strong <laughs> should tell you something about the fact that it some sure technology is. will probably make it, you know, long-term, not, not for everybody, of course. And if you're starting a, a brokerage or a, a trucking company, I probably wouldn't recommend an AS400 today, but it can get the job done. Um, and so the technology, sure, you, you definitely want the latest and greatest. I think that's ideal. And there's platforms right now that are starting to build a common set of tools for, for all parties, shippers, brokers, and carriers, something like Turbo uh, and, and a company similar to that. They're building all these tools in, into that platform. So it's worth looking into those. But if you're a small broker um, or if you're pretty embedded with your TMS, it's difficult to move your TMS. It's difficult to change. It's a big decision to make. And so you may have several pieces of technology. One of the things that the industry did in the last, you know, 10 years was you had all these companies pop up and specifically the last five, you had all these companies pop up with a unique solution for a unique problem, which is great. But the problem is you ended up with 20 pieces of technology to run your brokerage. And if those pieces of technology don't talk to each other, sometimes can actually create more work than had you not used that technology. For example, data entry or data transfer. If you have all of your load data in your TMS and you're using a tracking solution in which you have to re-enter that load information just to track the load, 
that's that's that requires a lot more work. It might be worth just making a few phone calls to find out where the truck is at that point, unless you have to, I mean, so, so if that, if that technology is not talking, it's, it, it may, may make it harder to really be efficient. So when I say, if you have a strategy to make it work, I'm thinking about the tools that are out there that help um, communication between technologies, specifically RPA. That's the biggest one for those that don't know. RPA stands for robotic process automation. And what it means is you're teaching a computer to do something that a human can do. For example, if I can take data from my TMS and put it into a shipper uh, website to schedule an appointment, that's something you can teach a computer to do where they can go and schedule those appointments for you. If you're receiving loads from a customer in an email, well, that, that customer put all that data into the email already. It's there, but if they, you can't get that into your TMS, somebody has to manually enter that data. You can teach a robot, a computer to put that data in. So there's technologies out there like RPA, which is customized to your specific technologies and your specific solutions. And there's integration tools like Zapier that have made it very simple to have tools talk to each other. We do this all the time at Lean Tech. We have RPA built into a lot of our processes. We use Zapier for some integrations. So just for, let me give you a quick example. We use HubSpot for our CRM. We use Panadoc for our document management at, at, at Lean Solutions Group. Well, those two systems are great, but they don't talk to each other on their own. So we've used an integration in order to say, hey, when that when that contract's completed, let's trigger some activities in HubSpot so the sales guys, one, don't forget to do it, Two, our data is clean. And three, we're efficient with our practices. So now when a company signs uh, an agreement with us, a prospect signs an agreement with us, um, it updates all the information in HubSpot to say the contract's been signed. Here's the data was signed. It also kicks out a welcome email to the customer. It kicks out an email to the implementation team, letting them know that we have a new implementation coming. And it all happens just like that. So we've taken two pieces of software and we've built integrations similar to that, that make our lives much easier, makes our data more accurate and much more efficient. It's a strategy that we've put in place. You can do that with transportation tools. You can do integrations where you want to complete an onboarding through my carrier packets, but there's no integration between my carrier packets and your TMS. So instead of having a person taking that information and simply just checking a box in your TMS, which is what a lot of them are doing because you know, my carrier packets, RMS, those companies do the verification for you. Instead of having that happen, you can build an integration or an automation where the TMS approves that carrier because Everything's been checked off in the system that you've already said, these are my criteria. So again, having a strategy, even with older fragmented technology is still a, a formula for success. So that's what I mean by that. And I like that. And the, uh, the RPA thing is so cool. The way that you can, I think the setup process to me is interesting because you have to basically go through that process X amount of time. So it can start to learn it. Right. And then it refines it the more and more that uh, like, you'll probably get some like, Hey, it didn't, it has to learn it more over time. So it might come up with some exceptions and you can kind of fine tune its process. So it's more efficient long-term, right? That's essentially how That's it works. Correct. Yeah, there's, okay. there's two steps to it. The first step is identifying your process, you know? And so what we do is we work with customers to say, just show me what you do. You know, we'll just do a share screen. We'll record it. Just show me what you're doing. And, um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to take that process that you're doing today and we're going to see what we can automate and then we're going to build it. Once we build it and we deploy it or test it, I should say at first, we start to find those errors and those exceptions, you know, well, what happens when this box isn't checked or what happens if 
if they leave out the city or you know what, whatever the exception might be in that regard. And then we build in the workflow for that exception. So it goes yeah. to a human and they adjust it or it automatically enters this because it knows that it, you know, that's what it meant or whatever it might be. And then of course, there's the AI piece of RPA where it does get smarter over time. The more examples and the more data that it has, the more that it knows what to do. So it's really a two-step process, but that's really the, the foundation of it is identifying your process, show it to us, we'll build it, and then we'll test it, and then we'll deploy it. And people who have started their RPA journey are absolutely blown away by what can be done. And then they start thinking like, okay, well, that could be done. What about this process? And they start thinking along those lines, and that's where their efficiencies really come into play. And they can use their technologies that they like. They don't have to switch everything up. They can actually just make it more efficient what they're doing right now. And that's, again, that's a winning strategy. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about it is, you know, th this episode altogether is you put human beings in positions where they're going to be the most effective solution. And then you leverage technology in situations where that's going to be the best solution. And I think there's a, a healthy balance between the two. And yeah, it's cool. It's good stuff. I've seen that no, with the, the billing process too, where, you know, invoices come in and um, I don't know if it was RPA, but th there's stuff out there where it'll, you know, if it comes into a certain email box, it'll auto scan the documents to make sure that the, the, uh, invoice amount is in there, the load numbers in there, um, POD is signed and dated all that stuff. And then it'll auto archive it to whatever program it's set up for. There, there's all kinds of cool stuff out there. And that is, that is stuff that's just manually labor intensive. That is not you're if you're paying a human to do it, it's not their best use of their time. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's there's companies out there like Hubtran who use OCR technology yep. and RPA uses that as well, but essentially being able to read a document, know what it is, and then to file it in the appropriate you know folder or take an action based upon that. And again, that's that is something that RPA does as well, because OCR is a part of the RPA family of, of kind of technologies that exist in there with machine learning and artificial intelligence. And so yeah, I mean there there's great tools out there and it's all really to enhance what humans are doing and make them more efficient. Um, and make their lives more enjoyable. I mean, who wants to enter data all day? Right. I don't know too many people that just wake up going, man, I can't wait to type in data today. <laughs> so if you can take somebody who that's their job and you can, you can supplement that with technology, then they could do something that is more enjoyable, more high leverage, more revenue producing, more customer focus. I mean, there's other ways that, that they could work that would probably be significantly more enjoyable than just entering data all day. So again, it's all about enhancing what we're doing as humans. I dig it. Any, any last thoughts on, on the tech piece? I, I got a few questions I wanted to get into here at the end of the episode, but uh, any, any final thoughts on the, the tech side? Well, certainly one thing I would say is this, is that, you know, it's important that, you know, you find a tech partner who is forward thinking, um, you know, that, that you trust the person who owns the technology because they're the ones who are driving innovation. They're the ones that are driving the culture of the company. So it's really important to be critical about the technology partner that, that you use that they're knowledgeable about your business, that they're knowledgeable about what you're trying to accomplish and not just sell you a piece of software. I think that's really critical. I think we do a great job with that because all of our solutions are, are custom to our, 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 our customers and we build them for our customers. We don't build them for us to resell. We build them for our customers when it's a you know, you know, PMB type of situation. But the RPA journey is really important to get started on. A lot of other industries are way ahead of us on that. So if you're a freight broker or in transportation in general and you haven't started the RPA journey, I'd encourage you to begin that. And the 
process begins on April 15th. We're actually having a webinar with Joe Lynch, one of our good friends, and with our CTO at Lean Solutions Group, Alfonso Quijano, who I have to brag on this guy. He's, he's one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet, um, just really knows his stuff and, and communicates very well. And so it's going to be a, a wonderful presentation to learn what is RPA, how it can work, what you need to do to prepare yourself to be ready for RPA. It's going to be a great webinar. Again, that's April 15th. And I'll give you guys the link. You can make sure that you're-, you're uh, Yeah, we'll put it in the episode notes. Uh, but April it's not 15th. tax day. April 15th is not tax day this year, May 17th this year. That's right. So, so people don't have to scramble to get their taxes done. They can pause and they can listen to the webinar. It'll be great. There you go. I, I love the it. Big, I love. My big takeaway with this and, and one of the main reasons why we've had such a great relationship with Trey and lean. And it is because I think a lot of tech companies start with the product and then try to make people's problems fit their product and solution where I've always approached everything problem solving wise with first understand what should be happening, first understand the processes, and then think through and brainstorm where the inefficiencies are, then look for solutions to make that process more efficient, not randomly start looking at products and seeing which one fits, right? Like understand what should be happening and then make it more efficient and then find the solution that does that. And that is why I think lean is just much different than everybody else in the space as it relates to really everything from the staffing to the marketing. I mean, that's what we're doing with on our website. And that's what Nate and I talked a lot about what we like the most while working with Ryan and your team over there. We're starting with what we want, what it should be doing, how effective it is, and what is our user's experience going through our site? Not, this is really shiny, let's make you want this, right? Start with the problem right. and then come up with a solution. That is so critical and that's the approach we take on everything. I'm glad that you brought that up with Ryan and, and because that's the philosophy that we have is, you know, especially when it comes to technology, everybody has different pieces of technology and everybody has different problems that they want to solve. You know, and it's, it's, it, this is definitely harder. It definitely takes longer. It's definitely less profitable for us to do it this way, but it's also yep. more effective for the customer. And that's why we more valuable. So I think that's, yeah, it's really critical that, because it's much easier to build a piece of software that, that oh, yeah. covers 85% of people's problems and just resell it over and over again. And there's a place for that in the marketplace. Yeah, there is. Uh, that's, yeah. not, that's not our place. Right. Yep. So lean putting the, putting custom and customer. I love it. Verbal trademark. <laughs> and we put the custom and customer. All right, good stuff. We got a, got a couple questions here that I want to read through, but first got to give a shout out to our friends over at DAT who helped sponsor the show as well. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting brokers with available capacity in any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. We've partnered with DAT. Check out the episode notes to get your first month for free. That's DAT Power, Trucker's Edge, and DAT Express. So um, I know DAT is big on the load boards, but the, the, direct, the DAT directory tool, I think that's a great place for folks to source future partner carriers to be able to build those relationships long-term. Even if you don't have a load for them today, make sure you start to connect today for the future. So three it's questions. It's such a small world transportation. I got to say, I started my career at DAT and here I am, you know, on the podcast and we're, <laughs> we're plugging DAT. And so love nothing it. but love for those guys from Mike Weaver and the crew over there um, do great work and they're out in Portland, a beautiful area, but uh, this ironic small world. I love it. Yeah. It all comes full circle. All right. So all full uh, circle. 
First question today comes from a carrier. Carrier said, I arrived at my delivery appointment at 7 a.m., which was on time. And now I'm being told my appointment time is actually 7 p.m. What should I do? So they, you know, they, they're asking from a broker's perspective, I show up on time. The receiver's telling me my appointment's 12 hours later. What should I do? So my first response would be, well, what does your rate confirmation say? Have you called your broker to let them know what the issue is? Maybe it, maybe it's a mistake or a mix up. Um, there might be, if it is a legitimate error, maybe there's layover involved. Um, ben, have you ever run into this where they get there and the appointment time is they're being told it's at a later time or maybe yeah, even it was at an earlier time and they missed it once a month, sometimes yeah. once a week, a couple times a day, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, this is really common. I mean, this is, uh, you know, a fat fingered the rate con and sent out the, that's why we use military time by the way, but this yep. happens constantly where a shipper sends it over in regular time and people didn't pay attention, didn't look. And then you absolutely super common. It's like the telephone game. Maybe the person that answered the call and said, it's at seven. They went and told the other person, yeah, it's at seven. They're like, well, morning or evening. They're like, uh, evening uh, yeah. or morning. I don't know. Exactly. And then like, you know, you know, it could be, it could have been an internal error. It could have been the broker's fault. Um, it could be, it could Another fall on any for technology. Right. <laughs> and by the way, if you have the technology talking to each other, that error doesn't happen. Yep. And that's where you find the liability, right? And that's going to determine what and who actually pays for that mistake, by the way, is yep. did this error occur from the shipper's correspondence to the broker, from the broker to the carrier? So the easy answer is if as a carrier, call the broker you got the load from and have that broker start earning their paycheck by getting it resolved for you. Um, this, Nate, I have to say this question would be much more fun if we did the Twitter version, wrong answers only uh, <laughs> and with some fun stuff. Well, okay, uh, you, let's like, do it. Let's lighting, do it. Lighting, lighting the bill, lighting on fire and running towards the dock. I mean, I'm just thinking of all kinds of just crazy stuff that yep. you, know, you can do squeeze that truck in there into an open dock, you know, like the, the Seinfeld episode where they're trying to get that parking <laughs> spot on the road. You just, you know, going forward instead of backwards, try to get in there and say, I'm in, I get this and I got this dock. No, oh those are wrong God. answers, but, but uh, I love it. I love it. All right. Next question comes from a broker. It says, I'm a, I'm a licensed freight broker and I want to get into the expedite business. Do I need to get a second MC authority? Um, and they went on to reference some FMCSA guidelines about truck weights and the proper authorities. The answer is no. If you're a broker, um, and this is a property broker, we're not talking household goods or anything like that. If you're a property broker, you can broker anything from you know a piece of a two pound box up to, you know, a hundred thousand pound oversight or a hundred thousand pound oversized shipment or whatever. So the, the authority is good. It's, it's the, the motor carrier themselves needs to have a separate or needs to have um, the right authority to haul whatever they're hauling. So some folks, if they're just doing parcel or courier type delivery, it's a different authority than someone who's hauling, you know, the 80,000 pound total curb weight of uh, whatever that full truckload shipment is. So no, as a broker, you do not need a separate authority. I've got folks that do anything from produce to heavy haul and they do expedite as well. And it's all under the same authority. Um, last question, Ben, I'm going to throw this one to you. Broker asks with the West coast ports swamped right now, how can I avoid detention and demerge? So first is what is detention? What is demerge, right? So you're going to pay detention when your carrier has to wait. You're going to pay demurrage in the exact opposite situation. So what demurrage is, is demurrage is the charge you will incur for not picking up a container 
by its free time. So every container that ever gets picked up by any port or any rail terminal has a certain amount of free days. And that's exactly what it says. If it is not picked up and gated out by that date, that carrier actually starts incurring charges. And that is an important distinction because everywhere else in the freight brokerage world, until that cargo is on your truck, you aren't liable for anything. But when you accept, and that's why the UIA and the intermodal have different guidelines and different fees, because as a carrier, if you accept the load to pick up a container and you don't pick it up, you are liable for those costs. And those are very different things. So if it, to the advice in regards to what can you do, communication's huge. Yep. And to Trey's point earlier, correct information is also going to be the second thing. It's one of these scenarios of you need to be able to draw a line on what you can control and influence and what you can't. You cannot control when these get gated, when they get grounded off the ship. You can't control when they're actually available to pick up. And you also can't control how long the late, the lines are to actually get in the port to get the containers out. So really this is what determines the good brokers from the average ones working the ports right now, because you're always going to try to max out the amount of containers you can get out of the port, but you're never going to be able to control the factors that allow that to happen. So you're constantly going to have to flex back and forth with your carriers and you're constantly going to have to keep rescheduling carriers to determine what actually got moved in any given day. Because right now, like you might plan to have four carriers pull out 10 containers in total. At the end of the day, you might get 10, you might get three, but then you've got to determine what you're going to do tomorrow because you have fees. If you don't get these out, you've got to communicate those back to the steamship lines. It's not that straightforward of an answer. I, I wish I had, I mean, you, we could spend hours going through different ways to do this. I think the big things and the big keys are over communicate with your carriers and make sure they're doing the same with you. You need yep. your drivers to let you know how long the lines are at the port, how many containers they've gotten by a certain time of day and how many they expect to get out by the end of the day. And then determine and coordinate that right back with your shipper and let them know where you're at with these things. I think the second piece too is is your organization within your office, right? I mean, the the biggest issue I've seen with folks that are moving stuff in and out of ports or rail yards is they're disorganized. They lose a container number or um, chassis number or you name it. And when it comes down to, you know, whether or not a fee was incurred, if they can't reference or back up whatever they did or whatever the project was with actual documentation or proper numbers, you know, they're just, they're pretty much screwed. So definitely communication. And, de and the other part I would say is organization and making sure that you're tracking everything that needs to be done. Cause that's, those are complicated uh, moves right there. So and let me add one thing to that real quick. And that is, you know, if you're, if you're not communicating very well, or you're not organized very well, sometimes it's because you're not staffed correctly. Yeah, the there he is. People. I have to throw that back in because I just think it goes right. overlooked. We, we tend to expect people to do more. And then when they drop the ball, we criticize them instead of going, maybe, well, why weren't you able to do that? Because there are legitimate issues where people have way too much on their plate. Whereas if you have additional resources and say, this is your specialized job, this is what you do, then you don't run into those issues um, and you, and you, and you give people the freedom to be great at what they're doing. So I think staffing is always an issue when it comes to issues like that. Some of the, some of the best brokers and agents that I work with, um, when I say best, I should say some of the, the biggest books of business that I work with, these folks struggle to get to the next level because they are so, 
I don't know if it's afraid to hire someone that's not themselves to do some of the tasks, but they just, they don't take that next step when it comes to putting somebody else in a seat to assist them to grow. You should not see them as an expense. You should see that as someone that's giving, that's a, it's an avenue for you to make even more money. That's what it comes down to. Well, I think there's several issues. I think that's, that's one of them for sure. I think there's, there's a fear involved or an inconvenience that's involved, uh, a loss of control maybe that's involved, um, especially with agents because agents are used to kind of controlling their own world. That's why they're an yep. agent. They want to run the ship, right? Um, but I think that, you know, overall, you know, if you look at, a, at, at successful companies, you know, they have, there's a common theme that they overhire. You know, they, they actually have more people than they need uh, because what, the, what they're projecting for, like we've talked about earlier, is they're thinking down the road. They're not thinking for what I need today. But the common thing that happens is people are understaffed because they're trying to save costs. They're trying to make people prove themselves. Um, they're not wanting to deal with the headache of it. Like I've got so much on my plate today. When am I going to hire somebody? When am I going to train somebody? That's not going to happen. And so there's just all these factors that go into it. But if you're forward thinking, then you go, you know what? It would be good for us to have a couple extra people, even if they're not completely busy all day, every day. Uh, I want to make sure these issues are always taken care of and there's somebody ready to go. And then as they become more busy, then we'll hire more people. And always thinking forward as opposed to feeling like you're catching up from behind. That's so critical. Absolutely. Good stuff. Great episode. Covered a lot there. And we're going to be, we're going to have you on again next week, Trey. And what's the topic we're going to talk? Sales and marketing, right? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So next week we actually have to talk about what I do every day, which is fun. And so, yeah, we'll talk about sales and marketing, what we're doing uh, lean, what we're helping our customers do, what we're seeing in the marketplace and how the landscape is changing. I mean, just a preview COVID has radically changed the way marketing works and the way that people oh, buy. Yeah. Um, and so, and that goes, that's not just a, a, a consumer that's a, that's, that's B2B as well. You know, everybody's uh, purchasing things differently, uh, learning about things differently, working in different environments. There's, there's a lot of new things that have happened. Uh, funny story, Ryan Mann and I were working on something. He said, Hey, we're going to do this. And then literally within a week, he came back and said, we're not gonna do it anymore. That doesn't work. <laughs> so you have to be able to pivot quickly and realize, <laughs> yeah. Hey, things have changed. And, uh, and that's important. So I'm excited to talk about that and, and hopefully yeah. help people out. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, uh, looking forward to next week as well. Trey, any, any final thoughts before we sign off here? No, but uh, just glad to be on. Thanks so much. Love, love working with you guys. Love the Freight 360 podcast and, uh, and the audience. And again, just appreciate uh, time with you guys. Look forward to when we can actually maybe do this from a golf course at some point. I think we should have a Freight 360 podcast that is a live stream of us playing golf. That's what there I want go. to get to. And we're going to play at a nice course so we can expense the tee times. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to convince me of that. Ben? Final thoughts, man. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, You're right. Until next one, go Bills. Go Chiefs. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.